0: and welcome to episode 383 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Monday, December the 26th. Christmas is now in the rearview mirror and I am joined, as I often am, by Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. How are you?
1: Hey, Brad. Doing well. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you and everybody out there. Hopefully, you are warm. You're actually in Florida, I believe you said. Um, but I, I know for like 95% of the country, it has been freezing the past week. So are you, are you warm? I, I
0: escaped to Florida, which is why I probably don't sound as good as normal either. So my apologies on the audio quality. People probably understand that we're on, it's holidays, we're on the road, but yeah, it's actually been cold by Florida standards. Um, basically, like it got below freezing a couple of days in a row in Florida, which kind of never happens. People are panicking around here, but in Atlanta, where I normally am, it was below it was below zero a couple of times this week. Like it's been. Uh, very 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 cold to the point where there's like lots of like pipe bursts happening in atlanta and uh it's unseasonably cold let's say i'm sure it's like 80 right 80 in arizona yeah.
1: right now uh it was 73 <laughs> on christmas day here sure yes, sure it was, it was. Yep. that
0: makes sense um but yeah i mean obviously uh not a ton has happened you and i have not talked on this podcast in about two weeks of course last time we talked there was a we, we did two shows in two days because there was the typical um You know, response by the Braves to have a major move happen as soon as we talked. But, uh, you know, we've had we've had shows on this network with Sean and Chris and Steven talking about all kinds of stuff. We're going to kind of do a uh, nuts and bolts kind of catch up episode today in between the holidays. It's kind of a, a quiet time as we kind of forecasted. We talked last time, like most front offices seem to kind of shut it down the last couple days before Christmas. And then this week in between, it doesn't mean nothing could happen, of course, but uh, it has been pretty quiet. I don't know uh, how plugged in you've been, but uh, aside from the ongoing Carlos Correa uh, nightmare, uh, there's not been a whole lot of baseball news in the last few days.
1: Yeah, we really saw the push uh, right before the holidays. As you noted, most of the front offices are going to shut down, especially with Christmas being on a Sunday, and then you have, of course, the New Year's holiday next weekend. So, uh, yeah, there was a real scramble. I mean, the offseason got off to a fairly quiet start, and then the winter meetings happened. And then seemingly overnight, I think Trey Turner was probably the first big fish to go. And then after that, it seems like every day for maybe the past three weeks, we have gotten a ton of baseball news. Uh, naturally, the Braves have spent all of $1.4 million in guaranteed free agent deals uh, when like one and a half billion has now been spent. But um, it, it's been, a I think December as a whole was certainly busy, but yeah, this time of year, it's going to quiet down. And then there's usually a second wind probably in January, early February. Uh, I believe actually as of recording this today, we are officially two months away from the open of spring training, which is exciting uh, so, I think the offseason is moving pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, the Braves obviously were involved in a few different things the last couple of weeks the biggest thing is probably a player leaving as we'll probably start off this podcast by talking about Dansby leaving not a huge surprise to us it's been covered uh, ad nauseum at this point but he got a lot of money from the Cubs we talked about Dansby on like every episode for probably 2 months because of the uh, you know obviously the obvious impact of him either staying or leaving quite honestly and it sounds like he and the Braves were never particularly close by all indications uh, Anthopolis gave some pretty uh, some pretty candid numbers he didn't he never actually used a number on the record, but he talked to Jeff Schultz and an sent an interview this, this last week. And I know Mark Bowman reported the Braves never actually offered him more than a hundred million dollars. And if, that, if that's the case, Dansby goes from being offered a hundred million by the Braves to 177 million by the Cubs. And, uh, I know, I, I guess we're, we're probably more practical than most people are, but, uh, you know, it's really hard to be upset with Dansby Swanson, at least in my mind for taking uh, literally $77 million more than the Braves offered. I don't know how you feel, but that that was kind of my broad takeaway. Like, all right, and I get it on all sides. I get why the Braves didn't necessarily break the bank for him. But um, as far as like, you know, evaluating and reacting to his decision, I have a hard time blaming him.
1: No blame at all. I mean, this was a kid who came up funny enough, Dansby in his farewell video, reminded me almost that his first hit came at Turner Field which feels like a lifetime ago especially in uh, both in in real life and in baseball terms Uh, yeah first hit at Turner Field I believe he debuted in 2016 and there have been some really special moments for Dansby and for the Braves since then of course uh, being such a key figure on the World Series team playing such a, a vital role in this in this franchise that's now won five divisions in a row. Uh, But for him to go to Chicago, where his new wife plays professional soccer, you mentioned seven years and $177 million. I mean, that's a ton of money. And just for reference about the amount of money that Dansby made himself over the last nine months, right? Back in March in spring training, there was some talk about a Dansby Swanson extension and what it would look like. And I proposed... What I thought at the time was probably a pretty fair deal, five years and $90 million for Dansby Swanson back in March. Would you give Dansby a five-year $90 million deal? The the poll results, which had a couple thousand uh, votes, were 67% no and 33% yes. So you're talking (laughs) two-thirds of, not not that my Twitter base is uh, representative of, of everything, but... You know, two-thirds of the people who voted said they would not give Dansby five years and $90 million. He ends up beating that by two years and another $87 million. Uh, so credit to him. He had an awesome year when it mattered most in terms of finances. Uh, but no, I, I don't blame the Braves for not wanting to go seven years and what just upwards of $25 million per year. Um, I, I think that was an overpay by Chicago. But as we have seen, you have to overpay this offseason if you want to get players.
0: Yeah, it's it's well said and I think that we talked about it then and uh, we were kind of in the middle on Danesby a year ago and I think that proved to be uh you know interesting place to be because like you said this is probably an overpay um you know I know I know I said on the show at some point like look I'll only be upset with the Braves if he if Danesby signs for it what I would describe as a reasonable contract somewhere else and the Braves don't replace him. This is not a deal that should, at least in my mind, bother any Braves fans that the Braves didn't, quote unquote, match it or whatever. Because, you know, Anthopolis said uh, on the record to, to Jeff Schultz that Dansby, quote, made every, every effort to find a way to stay in Atlanta, end quote. And basically said that Dansby made it clear to the Braves that he was actually willing to take less than what he got from the Cubs. And the Braves just didn't get anywhere close to that. And I I, I actually get that on all sides because he had this incredible year this year. He was worth, according to Fangraphs, $50.8 million this season. That's not a misprint. $50 million season for David Swanson because he was worth, what, six six plus wins this year. He had basically the best year of his career in every aspect. Uh, Defensively, he blew every metric out of the water. Offensively, he was as good as he's ever been or better than he's ever been. And look, if he's this player than he was in 2022 moving forward, the Braves, I'm sure, would like to have him at this price. But given his record before that, the fact that he's going to be 29 in February, it's hard to believe that he's going to actually be this guy. I think the Braves would have been hoping for the guy he was in 2021, which is like a three and a half win player. And that is even probably worth this contract. But it's not a huge uh, windfall in terms of the organization. That's kind of all he is. So I don't know. It's, it's this weird situation where the Braves don't really have an incumbent option, as we'll get into in a second, That's uh, that's very sexy at this moment. All The other guys are gone, and the Braves are spending more money than we kind of thought they might be a couple of years ago. But you know, it's just a lot of money. I, I mean, I guess I'll ask you this, Scott. If he signs for seven and 140 with the Cubs instead of 177, are you more bothered by this as, oh, as yeah. for, for the Braves? Because that, that's kind of where I am too. Like, the deal at the end of the day, the deal was it, he, he got a lot of money, and kudos to the Cubs for paying him that money. But this is a guy who's basically been a league average hitter in his career, um, maybe even actually a little bit worse than that. I'm looking at. Yeah, actually, he's still been a, a below average hitter in his career and that guy getting almost 200 million dollars guaranteed is just like tough to swallow honestly
1: yeah if if folks didn't see the article and the interview with Anthopolis and Jeff Schultz it's worth reading over at the Athletic um, Anthopolis also did about a 30-minute interview with uh, your buddy John Heyman love John. Joel. Joel Sherman of the New York Post uh, that was probably boy almost a week ago at this point but he talked about Um, and I know there's this ongoing battle about how much money the Braves can spend and how much should they spend and, and all of that. And of course, Steve Cohen in New York has blown everything out of proportion, I think with his spending, but as Anthopolis said, and I'm inclined to agree with him, you can't have every player on the roster making $25 million. And while it would have been, beneficial and certainly made the Braves a better team for for at least the next couple of years by re-signing Dansby. The fact is that as much as I would like the Braves to operate with a $450 million payroll like the Mets might be trying to do, I just don't think that's feasible. And again, I get it. It's a bummer that Dansby's gone by all accounts, a really good teammate, a really good player, especially the last couple of years. But At the end of the day, free agency, once they get to free agency, you're bidding against 29 other teams, and players can leave, as we've seen. And it's kind of crazy to think that after the Braves won the World Series, uh, they no longer have Freddie, they no longer have Dansby, but at the same time, they won 101 games last year, and they are projected by everyone, whether it's the computers, whether it's Vegas, whether it's baseball writers, the Braves are projected to be one of the best teams once again next year, and we will see where the roster goes from here.
0: Yeah, we'll touch on that actually a little bit later in the podcast as well, like just kind of resetting where things are now for this Braves team. But there, there's there been definitely too much panic in some circles. Uh, you know, I, I'll be honest, the Braves would have been better. For 2023 with Dansby on the roster than him not being on the roster. That's a very simple thing to say, but it is true. The Braves have a lot more uncertainty now at shortstop than they would have had, even with Dansby, who's kind of uncertain in some ways in his own right with the bat. His glove was a lot safer than anything the Braves have at shortstop right now. So that's that's part of this, and yeah, I, I mean, we've picked apart. I've I used to pick on the Braves quite a bit for not spending, and it's hard to do that now. They they have been spending more. They're not in. They're they're not, they're not the Mets yet, if they ever get there. But they're it's hard to pick on Liberty Media right now for not spending a ton of money because they have spent a bunch of money in the last couple of years. So it's a it's this weird situation where we're kind of in the middle on this, and I think that uh, the next step will be interesting. At the moment, they basically only have Grissom and Arcia as options. Uh Schultz asked Anthopolis about that. He basically said that they're going to compete and Snicker makes the final call. And he also said, I'm going to quote this now from Anthopolis in that in that interview. Whoever the starter is does not mean that they'll be able to keep the job. End quote. Um and obviously Anthopolis is not going to give away anything in that kind of setting. So they can still trade for somebody, they could still sign somebody. There's not wanting anybody else to sign that's like a that's terribly sexy. But um we'll see. We'll kind of we'll get back to that I'm sure later on in the offseason. Um Last thing, unless you have something else to add on on Dansby, is that I have to just throw in at the end of that uh, interview. It was mostly about Dansby, but um, Anthopoulos, uh, sorry, Schultz asked Anthopoulos about Marcelo Zuna. Uh, his his stock response was, "I expect him to be on the roster in spring training." End quote. And Schultz followed up with, "Basically, what about after spring training?" And Anthopoulos said the following: He said, "Ask me in spring training." <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was just funny, and that's yeah. the way he. It's the way he entered the interview, uh, which is kind of hilarious in a lot of ways. I'm not sure it means anything, but I, I had to. I had to have a little chuckle out out loud to myself reading that. Like, okay, it's not exactly a commitment to Marcel Azuna at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Marcel wants to suddenly be a big league hitter again, that would be great. And sure would. He. I didn't realize that Marcel had played in one of the winter leagues. I forget in which country he was playing in, but. His winter league numbers were not good. I I don't think he was hitting 200. Um, so that's not super encouraging. We know, again, just set aside the off-field stuff. And, the, and there's a list at this point, but set aside the off-field stuff. The fact is that since Marcel had the crazy 2020 season in, in um, with COVID and no fans in the stands and all of that, he, he's been... A a very sub average hitter in two years since he got that four year deal. Um, So I think it it seems, uh, it doesn't seem like Ozuna is going to get traded. I know there was a faint hope of that coming into the offseason. I just can't imagine a front office taking him, or even if it was a bad contract swap, I can't imagine there being a a team out there where it would line up to be beneficial for the Braves. He is only signed for two more years. But um, yeah, it was an interesting answer from Anthopolis. I don't know what else he would necessarily say, but uh, nonetheless, it would be a huge boost for this team if Marcel is able to give them anything at all next year.
0: Yeah, and I expect him to be around like Anthopoulos kind of alluded to, and if he hits, he hits, and if he doesn't, I, I hope that his contract does not uh, mandate playing time in the way that it felt like it was kind of doing at the end of last year when they were playing him over Contreras and kind of enraging everyone with that. Um, that's, that. That's kind of where I am. Like, all right, if, if he's going to do, if he's going to hit, uh, I guess you can play him. And if he's not going to hit, just don't play him. Kind of stick him on your bench. You have the DH and just not play him every day. And you kind of operate a man down, which is not great, but alas, that's where we are. Anyway, that'll be it for our day conversation. I'm sure we'll come back to shortstop at a later point, either in this show or later on in the offseason. But uh, uh, at the very least, the Braves do not have a, an incumbent shortstop that inspires as much confidence as Danby Swanson. And we'll see how they sort of address that moving forward. All right, we'll have more on the, uh, the rest of the transaction wheel in the uh, last couple of weeks in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. All right, Scott, the Braves did make one signing since you and I recorded last, and it was Jordan Luplo. Uh, one year and $1.4 million guaranteed. That is uh, significant. And that Braves have not been out a lot of money, really, to, uh, at least guaranteed money to anyone so far this year. Uh, the short version, and I'll sort of hand it to you, is that he is someone who is a fourth outfielder type, maybe a platoon partner for Eddie Rosario type guy, certainly a major leaguer, but not someone that's going to blow anybody away. I wonder what you thought of, uh, of that particular signing when it happened.
1: For folks who maybe aren't super familiar with Jordan Luplo, he I think is pretty similar to Robbie Grossman in his skill set. He is probably a, a better defender than Grossman was. Although, um, you know, Luplo admittedly did not have a very good 2020 with the Arizona Diamondbacks, but he he brings some outfield versatility. He seems like a fourth outfielder type to me. Uh, The issue is, is short of the Braves doing something in left field, it looks more than likely that they're going to roll then with a platoon of Eddie Rosario and Jordan Luplo in left field. Uh, That doesn't inspire a ton of confidence for me. It's certainly possible that Eddie Rosario has a bounce back as he distances himself from the eye surgery. And and Luplo, to be fair, has been pretty good at times. He's never been an every single day player, but he's a veteran 29 years old. He, he can play the outfield pretty well, hit a little bit. But if if this is the answer to left field, as we know, you, you already have a massive question mark at shortstop. And now if you're going to rely on on Eddie and Luplo and left, that that's not super encouraging, but maybe the front office feels differently and they really like him.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the trouble, broadly speaking, is that they, like you just said, they have two spots. I think teams can generally live with one spot where there's a little bit of uncertainty, and the Braves have two. Uh, and really, you can, you might even be able to say three if you if you count DH. Now, they do have other options at DH that can play their other catcher at DH. Most of the time, if they want to do that with Darno and Murphy. All of those guys are not like elite DHs if they're just DHing. Um, plus, they have Ozuna in there. So, like, even if you put DH to the side, left field and shortstop are – Uncertain at this moment in time, Uh, the optimistic take on Luplo is that if he can replicate his um, lefty mashing, that would be very helpful, he has a career 125 WRC WRC plus and a, a career 841 OPS against left handers, not a huge sample it's like 500 play appearances but that's a decent size sample for a platoon split, and he's been good there. If that is real and you could bank on that, that'd be very, very good. Um, If that's not real, then it gets less exciting because then, you know, all due respect to Eddie Rosario, I think if he's part of your definite plan this year, I think he kind of has to be with his contract. Um, Minimizing him facing lefties ever would be a good idea. And having him have have a a probably strict platoon partner does make sense if they're going to have to rely on him. I think in theory they could do a lot worse than Luplo. I think he does project to be kind of gross esque like you said, but I do kind of trust the bat against lefties and then defensively he'll do his job. So it's kind of like, you know, maybe on the high end, he can be the Adam Duvall light kind of player. I don't know what that looks like either, but uh, it's not exciting. It's not exciting. That's for sure. But I think that was, um, if they weren't going to do something bigger, they kind of had to have someone with this kind of skill set. And, you know, I know we've talked about Duvall in the past, they went and got grossed for that same for the same exact thing last year, but at a minimum they had to do something like this, and Lupo kind of checks that box.
1: Yeah, he does. And I think in a perfect world, he is very much a fourth outfielder filling in on occasion. He did play a little bit of center field last year with the Diamondbacks. Uh, you, obviously, if anything happens to Michael Harris, the Braves are in big trouble. But on the chance he would need a couple of days, I would guess Luplo would probably play center field. I don't think they necessarily want to play Acuna in center field, although that could change, especially as he distances himself from the ACL injury. Uh, But yeah, he's a fourth outfielder. Uh, He's a guy who's had some success at the major league level. He is good defensively, which is very important, I think, especially for that roving outfielder position. Uh, But yeah, Brad, I mean, again, the Braves have made other moves outside of this, and I think moves that will certainly help the team. But... If we did a podcast at the start of the off season and you told me that that all they would do in terms of free agency in terms of guaranteed deals is a one-year 1.4 million guarantee to Jordan Luplo, I would tell you you're probably crazy, but I, I guess that's kind of the way the off season has gone so far.
0: Yeah, and they did do the Murphy trade, which certainly uh, you could argue how much better that makes them versus the optimal usage of Contreras. But I, we said on the, on that reaction show two weeks ago, he is a better player than Contreras, and he's arguably you know the second or third best catcher in the league. So that upgrade does matter. But yeah, as, as far as like on the margins, I, I don't think anybody expected the Braves to have still this shortstop platoon uh, situation with RC and, Gr- and Grissom, and both and and rosario and ozuna and jordan luplo as like potential key contributors that's not exactly what we all thought was going to be happening and i you know we definitely reserved the right to tweak this because it's still only december 26th like the braves don't have to be done right now they could be certainly could be done at this point but i thought this might have something up his sleeve could be a trade in the offing could be a more low profile signing somewhere if they wanted to get into that but uh yeah it's a little bit underwhelming aside from the murphy splash they made two weeks ago but uh yeah, we'll, I mean, they also they, they acquired Luin Diaz, kind of a quad A uh, first baseman type. Uh, we, I sh- we should also know that they also have Sam Hillier, who they got early in the offseason, who's another op- outfield option. Not exciting at all, but certainly a, a toolsy outfielder. They have some new guys that are around, but it isn't exactly uh, super sexy, let's just say, <laughs> position player-wise.
1: Yeah, they so far they have operated like a front office, despite what they might have said in a press conference, or in an interview with the media, so far, Anthopolis and the front office have acted as a team that do not want to go into the collective bargaining tax threshold this year. Now, that might not be the case. As you noted, there's still two months left of offseason. They could do it, but as things stand, they're only 3 or $4 million below the bargaining tax threshold. And if you're not going to add a legitimate star level or even just a good player, I mean, there's this never-ending debate about whether or not the Braves should spend just to spend. Um, I don't think they're going to spend frivolously. I'm not sure there's a player, at least in free agency, who is worth going into the CBT for this year. Um, Because as we know then there are advantages to not going in, uh, you have basically three years once you go into the CBT to get out of it or else you really start to pay the penalty. That's something the Dodgers are seeing right now. The Boston Red Sox did it a couple of years ago. So far, the front office has acted with the moves they have made, basically free agents who are signed for no money. Uh, Sean Murphy, who I think makes three and a half million next year. Uh, Joe Jimenez, the reliever from Detroit, is only going to make a million or two next season. Uh, So they've acted um, like a team that doesn't want to go into the CBT. We could have a whole argument or discussion about whether or not they should. Uh, But the evidence so far points to they want to stay below that number.
0: Yeah, and look, the Braves, before anybody emails us angrily, we, we will acknowledge the Braves are still spending. Like, as of today, I think, like, luxury tax payroll-wise, the Braves are, like, fourth or fifth in the league. Like, they're they're definitely spending money. Um, But they're spending it on retaining, and they're spending it on extending and not really making splashes. But like you said earlier, the Braves don't necessarily have to make big splashes to be a World Series contender. Like, I think by all accounts right now, even the biggest pessimist would probably have to say the Braves are a still a world series contender at this point in time. Um, So it's not like they all hope is not lost. Like we're not always the rosiest podcast in the world, but this is still a very, very, very good roster. It just isn't necessarily the upgrades at the spots that we thought they might be upgrading at. Like they went out and somehow strengthened the catcher spot, which is not exactly what anybody thought they were going to do, but they went on and got an elite player at that position, like state of the roster wise, you know, it still looks good. The, the lineup looks good. There are the two weaknesses that we talked about before shortstop um, and left field, maybe, maybe DH, but you still have, you know, the best catchers in the league. You have basically either really, really good or elite players at first base, second base, third base, uh, center field and right field. Like it's a pretty good spot to be in. The rotation looks very stout. Once again, the bullpen looks elite again. I mean, I don't know what you want to add to this, but like the state of the roster right now, maybe isn't what we thought it was going to be as of December 26th, but this is still a team that projects to be like a high nineties win team at this point. That's still really Oh good.
1: yeah. Yeah. This team is really good and I don't want the impression to come across that I'm pessimistic or down on the Braves. Yeah, man. I mean, if, if we rolled into spring training and opening day tomorrow, the Braves would be fine. I mean, they, they would have a very legitimate chance to win the division again to make a deep run in the playoffs as we know the playoffs become such a crap shoot and, and the randomness, both the beauty and the curse of baseball, but yeah, they haven't spent big money, but this was kind of the um, narrative that I would propose. Look, the Braves won 101 games last year. They have downgraded at shortstop. Presumably they have upgraded at catcher. Presumably, and everything else is pretty similar. They're going to get a healthy Ozzy Albies, who only played 60 games last year. They should get a much healthier and more comfortable Ronald Acuna. Uh, now that he's, his leg is getting stronger, um, the rotation is going to be really good. You mentioned, of course, they lost Kenley Jansen, but now they have uh, Joe Jimenez. and And we know how good Iglesias was so this is a really good roster and if you told me that the braves last year won 85 games and they had gone out and signed a couple of big name free agents i think the the feeling and the vibe around the team would be significantly different than a team that won 101 games and has just kind of tweaked a few things and yes they're going to be taking a chance at shortstop yes they have a left field that maybe isn't ideal but there is also a world where Eddie Rosario is a perfectly fine left fielder. Uh, Maybe last year was just a blip on the radar. Uh, And then as we've seen across the league, I mean, famously, the Houston Astros have lost a ton of talent in recent years, losing George Springer, losing uh, Carlos Correa. Now they've lost Justin Verlander and the beat just kind of goes on. And I think that is the Uh, the path the Braves are looking to take. Again, it's such a long season. We don't know what ups and downs they are going to be. Um, But if you asked me how many rosters are clearly better than the Atlanta Braves as of December 26th, I mean, clearly better? Is there one? I I don't know, man. I mean, we're going to talk about Carlos Correa in a minute. Maybe Correa, if he goes to the Mets, then you could like decidedly say New York has a better one to 26 roster. But other than that, the Dodgers have been quiet. The Astros have been pretty quiet. The Yankees are adding, though they haven't been able to crack through in recent years. Uh, I don't know, man. It, it's a it's a fascinating situation.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, if you didn't say it before, like the Dodgers are, are usually the default team that I know I reference. I think you have, too, is like the team that has the best roster and they have the last couple of years. But the Dodgers are worse on paper now than they've been in a little bit. Now, they're still going to be really good. No, no, don't get me wrong. Um, and, yeah, maybe maybe Correa on the Mets will put them over the top. But, like, as far as clearly better, I don't think there probably is a team in baseball that's clearly better than the Braves on paper. Um, and, like, look, a lot of things went well last season. Um, you could certainly point to Strider and Harris being incredible out of the gate. Kyle Wright had a great year, uh, et cetera. But a lot of guys – you know, you could probably say that they project to be better than they were a year ago. Like Matt Olson, you could say maybe even better than a year ago. Obviously, Albie's and and um, and Acuna would be on the better than a year ago stance. Uh, Rosario, same thing. So, yeah, it's uh, it's still a very good baseball team. We'll save obviously we'll save all of our preview stuff for a little bit later in the uh, in the winter into the spring. But certainly not a bad place to be for the Braves, even if it's a little bit weird to talk about uh, those two spots that are still kind of glaring at potential weaknesses. Um, before we get out of here. There is the there is the Correa thing. So I'm gonna again kind of date this. We're recording this podcast on Monday, December 26th. Um, Correa agreed to a 12 year, 350 million dollar deal with the Mets after his very strange failed physical with the Giants. Um, the Giants, by the way, have a tough one so far. Um, but basically, the Correa thing is that another snag. Um, I don't know if you read all the stuff behind the scenes about like Correa was like dressed to go to his intro press conference in San Francisco when the deal fell apart. That's insane. Um, Now the Mets thing is happening too. like no one seems to think that this is definitely not going to happen between Correa and the Mets. But uh, it's not a lot that it's going to happen. So uh, we were going to talk about like Correa and the Mets and like how they compare to the Braves. And I know um, Dan Zimborski ran zips and kind of shared that with our friends at Effectively Wild and said, even with Correa, the Braves and the Mets have like very similar projections, like 97 wins or something or so like that. But I mean, if they don't have Korea, that means the Braves are better than them. You would imagine. Uh, I'm, I'm not even sure where to take this Scott. Cause like, we don't really know what's going to happen there, but the Mets are uh, quite a sideshow at this point. They're spending yeah. lots and lots of money.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Steve Cohen, man. I mean, we could probably have an hour long discussion over whether he is good or bad for the game of baseball overall. Um, yeah. The, the Carlos Correa thing is fascinating. Yeah. Um, obviously the Giants for them to back out at the truly 11th hour as you noted he, he and his family were dressed and waiting to go to the press conference in San Francisco even even changed his Twitter photo to the to AT;T Stadium or whatever it is these days um you know he, he uh, it's just a bizarre situation and for the Giants to back out there was clearly something in his medical that gave them concern. Um, and, and then just for for Correa then to so quickly go to New York, what was it, 12 hours after his press conference had been postponed, that was very odd. And now the Mets have concerns. I mean, there must be something legitimate. And we're talking about a 12-year, $315 million deal for a player who has had like three healthy seasons in his entire career. This is not Iron Man, where you can just bank on Correa to play 150, 160 every year. This is a player who's had legitimate concerns, and now for two front offices to balk at his medicals. Who knows? I mean, if you're the Mets, if if he is healthy and he's coming off a great season, if he's healthy, he provides a huge boost to that team, especially at third base, which should age a little bit better. Of course, they have Francisco Lindor shortstop, but at the same time you're talking about 12 years for a player who already has a legitimate medical concern there's a scenario where the mets just push this through thinking ah whatever it'll be fine and they get stuck with a player whose body just breaks down on him in his 30s i mean obviously we don't have a crystal ball but it has truly become the one very odd, uh, off season happening across the league. And who knows if, if the deal falls through with the Mets, then I think there's a legitimate chance that Correa goes for a shortened deal as he did last year with Minnesota. Because at this point, if, if he, if the deal with New York falls apart, I don't see how another team is going to possibly take him on at a 10 to 12 year deal at $300 million. I saw you
0: trolling on Twitter with the picture of Alex Anthopoulos and a one-year deal potential for Carlos Correa getting really excited about that, Scott.
1: One year. Hey, <laughs> the next time a one-year deal goes horribly wrong, I'd love to see it.
0: Listen, uh, we've, we've always gotten flack for that stance because of like people like Cole Hamels or whatever, but uh, uh, the, Braves, the Braves should give Carlos Correa like one year and $50 million if he's available. I'll just say that right totally.
1: now. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, it's not my money. Go for
0: it. I mean, honestly, though, like... Uh, all, all joking aside, the price on a one-year deal for a player like that, like probably should be that much. I mean, you, you you've seen what uh, what Scherzer and like Verlander went for, like two years and four you know eighty-five. Like a one-year deal for Carlos Correa, Carlos Correa is more valuable than those guys. Like yep. he probably should get fifty million dollars for yeah. one year. Um, he won't, I'm sure. But no. it's a weird one. It's a weird one to be to be uh, very very clear about that. But, but between the Giants' weirdness. Um, with the arson judge thing, going back to that, which is a, hi John. Um, also the Mets, the Braves just kind of chilling. It's uh it's definitely a strange couple of weeks. And listen, the career deal might get done tonight as we record this. We don't know that for sure. I still think based on what I have read, he probably ends up with the Mets because Cohen kind of publicly commented in a way that might tie their hands. That's a whole other side. That's a whole other side part of this. Like he could try to back out, but maybe not. I don't know. The whole thing is crazy. I expect it to be on the Mets if I had to guess right now, and and the Mets are really good if they had Correa. Because look, even the even though the injury thing might be real, that's flagging this uh, physical uh, in the short term. Carlos Correa is really good, and it doesn't seem like this like like an imminent issue with his medical. So as far as 2023 is concerned, it's not good news for the Braves if he's if he's on the Mets. Uh, that's obviously a very obvious thing to say, but him playing third base on the Mets next to Francisco Lindor and a roster that is stacked is bad news for the Braves. So maybe it'll it'll fall apart. (laughs) We'll see.
1: And amongst all of this hype and craziness for the Mets this offseason, it still blows my mind that they're going to carry this record-shattering payroll. And their postseason fates are ultimately going to come down to two 40-year-old starting pitchers with Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. And don't get me wrong, these are first ballot Hall of Fame locks. But... That is a lot of faith and confidence, and just hope. Quite honestly, that both Korea, both Korea, both Verlander and Scherzer are going to hold up for a season and be ready to go come postseason time.
0: Yeah, it sure is, and we'll uh, we'll definitely break down all that stuff in the future too. But uh, yeah, the Mets—they're going through it at this point in time. Uh, last couple things here, Scott, before we get out of here on this uh, holiday edition of the podcast. One baseball mailbag question and then one non-baseball mailbag question for us at the end of the show uh the first one comes from brant who says what is with the max freed rumors why would the braves trade him and uh i agree with you brant why would the braves trade him uh basically this goes back to jim Callis floating something on about max freed on lb network in the last week or so and uh, i'm going to quote what he said uh this is a uh, via an aggregator but with the braves payroll climbing who knows if, this, if they will sign Murphy to an extension. I'm also hearing some Max Free rumors on the block. They may not be able to sign him long-term. Don't be shocked if we see a Max Free trade this offseason. Uh, of course, immediately Buster Olney shot that down with haste. I'm sure Anthopolis had a good laugh about it as well. And uh, I'll, I'll, even, I'll even say the numbers, just talk about how good Max Free has been. But uh, I think all of what we said before about how this team's still in great shape and we're all feeling pretty good, that would change if they, trade, if they traded Max Free. <laughs> Max Free really good.
1: I um... – For the love of God, man. Like, we can't let (laughs) Jim Callis start trade rumors, right? Like, the Braves aren't trading Max Freed. They're not trading him now. They're not trading him in the season. I guess there's a planet where he could get traded next winter if things go, like, horribly wrong, but I I can't even fathom what that would be. Braves are not trading Max Freed.
0: Yeah, I mean, Freed has been... Let's just say, I don't think he'd be on the level of like healthy DeGrom or healthy Verlander, but like, he's the next tier down from that. Like the last three seasons, Max Fried is number seven in baseball among starting pitchers in fan war. That's not the That's not only the National League, that's all of baseball. So you could say he has been the seventh best starting pitcher in all of baseball for three season sample size. That means you are an elite player. He has an ERA of 2.68 over three seasons He's still not a free agent for two more years. Like they're not going to trade him unless it's just like some comical haul. I know he's not been extended, and look, he might leave in free agency. I'm not telling you he's gonna he's gonna extend or stay in Atlanta in two years. Like this might be a situation that's closer to what happened with Freddie um, than it, than it is with some of these other guys. But in the meantime, they would be crazy to trade him, given where they are and that they're trying to win because he's their best pitcher. I mean, I, I know Strider might have higher upside. Um, you know, Wright was obviously really good this year, but Max free is the number one starter on this roster and they're not going to in the middle of a team that's projected to win 95, 98 game, whatever, whatever, whatever it is. They're not going to start selling on guys like Max free. I can't imagine that happening here.
1: No. And there's not only that, but it's hard to even come up with a trade that would be worthwhile for the Braves to do. Um, part of the. Uh, great upside of signing these players to long-term deals is the braves are going to have their core in place for a long time with acuna and with riley and olsen and strider and harris and etc ozzy albies uh, even kyle wright is going to be around for another three or four years um yeah man they're not trading max freed I, I no disrespect to jim Callis, but i i I don't even know who Jim Callis would be talking to. He, he's a prospect guy. I don't know who. You know, it's not like uh, you mentioned Buster only shot it down. It wasn't like Buster only, who has very very legitimate connections and has been around for thirty years. You know, he he's someone. It's like, wow, maybe they are going to do something to shock us. Now that that's not happening, I would be stunned. As you noted, Max Freed is conservatively a top ten starting pitcher in the league, in the middle of his prime. Two more years of control. I mean, he he would be. I'm not sure there are many teams that could even put a trade package together that would be a fair value for a guy like him because pitchers like Max Reed never get traded.
0: No, not really. Uh, at least not in a situation like this where they're on a good team already. Like, it's not. A, the Braves aren't selling in a way that, like, if he's on the Marlins or if he's on the whichever bad team, Pirates then sure, maybe that guy becomes available. You, know, They're not going to pay him long-term, but the Braves are contenders to win the World Series. They're not going right. to trade Max yeah. Um yeah. Okay, that's enough on that. I always want to answer it because people got people are asking it, and uh, we do appreciate the questions always, but that is uh, one that kind of came out of nowhere and hopefully will be dismissed out of nowhere as well. Um, all right, last one, non-baseball division here, Scott, comes from JJ, who says, we need your favorite Christmas movie content for any Holly episode that you guys do. Uh, I'm going to defer to you first, Scott. Christmas movie content. I know we're post Christmas now, but people still like to watch Christmas movies into the uh, into the new year. This this dead weekend between Christmas and New Year's is uh, still a, still I think a holiday Christmas laden time. So, what does your uh, recommendation list look like for this kind of? Uh, of oh, yeah,
1: yeah. I would I'd probably take. Um, I think I'd go Home Alone as the number one for me. Um, grew up watching it. I've I've probably seen Home Alone more than any other movie like regardless of holidays or not, um, love home alone, love the Grinch with Jim Carrey, especially that one. I feel like as you get older in life, you probably appreciate that movie a little bit more, uh, big, uh, big Jim Carrey guy. Um, and then we've also the last couple of years, we've done a, an office Christmas episode marathon on Christmas Eve, which has been fun. As you may know, I'm, I'm a big office fan. Um, and uh, yeah, what about you, Brad? I, I I don't know this about you. What's your what is your go to holiday movie?
0: Uh, so I answered a question on my Hawks podcast similar to this. And it actually came from someone named Scott. And it was not you. But I, I did make a joke on the podcast that you were asking me this question.
1: Um, <laughs> you got uh, to get, my- get me on your on your Atlanta Hawks podcast. Of course, so need that one.
0: They really do. Uh, no, uh, my my number one kind of in its own tier is Christmas Vacation. Uh, I think that movie is fantastic. I'm probably uh, you're maybe maybe it might be an age thing. I, I love Christmas Vacation. It's a little bit older, before your time. Have you seen Have you seen, have you seen this movie before,
1: Scott? Oh yeah, I've seen it. Okay, Not, I'm just making sure. It's, it's, in it's my fantastic. top five. Yeah, top. Okay, five.
0: I, I'm good with that. I'm also pro Home Alone, like you are. Um, my my sleeper answer. It, and this is—it's pretty inappropriate at times, but I—I uh, I love Bad Santa. Bad Santa is hysterical. If you've oh, ever yeah. seen that movie before, oh yeah, I, it's not exactly the most kid-friendly, so don't watch it with your kids. But it's very funny. Um, Elf is really good, of course. Uh, I don't know. There's all kinds of. There's. there's it's a long list. It's not it's not, it's not. it's not. my my number one genre. Like I'm not a huge like Christmas music person in July kind of guy. Like I'm. I'm not over the top about it. But uh, I mean, Die Hard counts, right? Christmas movie.
1: It is a Christmas movie. The, uh, uh,
0: the legendary debate about Die Hard Christmas movie, <laughs> um, but no, yeah. I mean there, there's lots of options. Polar Express is a good, like, kind of yeah. weird. Uh, do they weird even
1: do they even make Christmas movies anymore? I don't even know the last time there was like a a good like. What so, was the last good Christmas movie to come out?
0: So yeah, we're off the rails now, of course. But uh, oh yeah, I read that I read a very long story about this phenomenon. I think it was in the last couple of months about basically like the TV movie edition of Christmas movies has kind of like overtaken the actual like go to the theater and watch Christmas movies thing like apparently like Hallmark and Lifetime and like there's apparently there's like like an arms race for these movies that are like the same movie basically over and over again but there's like hundreds of them made every year hundreds which is insane to me
1: Yeah, my wife watches them all. Yeah, yeah,
0: so there you go. I I think that's kind of why people, why they're not making as many in the theater anymore because they're just like, there's so many of them that are available to watch on streaming. Uh, There was one on Hulu. I think it was like Happiest Season, maybe a year or two ago, that like kind of became like kind of a mainstream pseudo hit with Kristen Stewart. And I think a couple of people that, Avi Plaza, I think was in the movie. Um, But yeah, there hasn't really been like a huge, like popular movie theater, Christmas movie in a long time, I don't think.
1: And I think some of the best parts of the like '80s and '90s Christmas movies now is the unintentional but now very obvious nostalgia of it. Oh yeah, right. Like so. you turn it on and there's a a television that in 1992 would have cost a thousand dollars and was top of the line, and now it's like that junk TV in your grandparents' basement that hasn't been turned on in 15 years, and uh, you know the commercials, and I think in Home Alone he buys like a dozen groceries and it's like $18. And it's like, man, that that was the day, right? (laughs) You could buy a bunch of groceries for 18 bucks. Now you can't buy a gallon of milk and some eggs for $18. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's what just makes them better. And I think people have their, their, their favorites and their traditions. And that's why, maybe that's why they don't, they just stick to Hallmark and Lifetime with the Christmas movies.
0: Yeah, and uh, also, if you are listening to this podcast, the prop bet on Will Scott mentioned the office caches on this particular episode, so that's good. Uh, we know Scott likes the
1: office. Automatic, baby. Every time.
0: <laughs> oh, that was definitely what I thought was going to was going to happen, and it did, so that's good. Um, hopefully that answers the question. Uh, obviously, we'll get into – every once in a while, we'll do a non-baseball topic on the show. And listen, there hasn't been a lot going on the last week or so. And I, I know for our diehard listeners that have been listening to every episode on the entire network – You will have heard Sean talk about these transactions. You will have heard Chris and Steven talk about this stuff too. So it's kind of a roundup episode. I know there are still some holdouts that we hear from that listen only to us. We definitely encourage you to listen to all the episodes and at least download all the episodes on the podcast network. But uh, hopefully that satisfies everybody on this uh, dead period. And of course, all caveats apply the Braves might make a trade like tonight because it's it's what happens when when, when you and I talk. That's what happens. So here you are.
1: Yeah, I know. I hope um, I hope everybody traveling this week gets home safe and sound. I've seen thankfully I was not traveling, but I've seen just some crazy airport videos and people driving and oh, yeah. so I hope everybody out there is is safe and had a nice holiday, uh, whatever it may, uh, wherever you may be. And, and then New Year's and this is a great sports time of year with football going and basketball and hockey in full swing. I mean, it's um even if there's no baseball there's certainly things to keep you occupied while we we wait for spring training
0: yeah hold on that, everybody we do appreciate everybody listening to the podcast definitely uh happy holidays merry christmas from us happy new year as well i don't know when scott and i will record next if something happens we will definitely aim to react on the podcast network so please subscribe to the show but uh, in terms of like our regularly scheduled episodes scott and i all usually record on sundays And given that Christmas is a Sunday this year and so is New Year's Day, we're kind of out of our pocket a little bit right now. But we'll have an episode in the the not too distant future. And uh, again, we'll be very busy on the podcast network. We do appreciate all the support. One more time, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays from us. And we'll see everybody next time.